Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. And it is a wonderful precursor to Holy Week. It is our beginning of this journey as we now have a liturgical timeline that will take us through not only the Thursday of Passover when Jesus instituted the sacrament of Holy Communion, but also his suffering, death, and eventually his resurrection. And because of this, today is a slightly bizarre day starts off very high, who doesn't love singing Hosanna and waving palm branches, but we know what's coming. We know what's coming because Jesus knew also what was coming and made sure that all four gospel accounts tell this story. Only two of the four tell of his birth, but all four will retrace his steps as he arrives in the holy city of Jerusalem. And he has come to Jerusalem because this is where His story concludes in his earthly ministry. He has been traveling around the Holy Land for three years. He has gathered to himself 12 apostles who have journeyed alongside him. They have listened to him. He has taught them. He has given them sermons and examples. He has sent them out in pairs to be in ministry in the world. He has trained them and prepared them through their experience with him, with his miracles, the resurrection of Lazarus. He has done all of these things to get them ready for this day. And aren't they excited? Can you imagine what the apostles were thinking? Finally, we are vindicated. Look, everybody gets it. All those years of getting run out of cities and synagogues, all those years of sleeping like the homeless itinerant people that we were, It all has come to this moment. Look at all of these people. You can just imagine Jesus is coming down the middle of the road on the donkey and they're throwing out their coats and they're laying down their palm branches and they're singing this psalm from the songbook. And it is a day where it's like, yes, they finally get it. And then there's probably that moment where like, you know, we got this a long time ago, but glad y'all are here now. Good job. And they're probably behind Jesus. I can just imagine they're going down and they're like, wow, look at this. They have no idea. They have no idea. They hear a crowd of people as they are entering into the city that David built. He conquered the people that had lived there. He decided that this city would be his capital. It remained the capital of the southern kingdom of Judah. This is the place. The monarch's palace is here, and right next door is the temple of God. This is the place. Of course Jesus needs to be here. Jesus needs to be recognized that he is the Messiah. He is God incarnate. He has come to set his people free, and here he is. And you know there's one or two that were like, I think we could have done a little better than a donkey. I think we could have done a little better. Maybe we had a little bit more time, more finances. We might have been able to get like a chariot or at least maybe like a horse, but you know what? We'll take the donkey. They didn't realize that the donkey 
is in itself a prophetic fulfillment. And in fact, what is happening is to fulfill what the prophet Zechariah wrote in chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It wouldn't be until later that they would understand that Jesus was fulfilling with his presence and the way he chose to enter in to the holy city a, a prophecy that had been given 500 years before this day. It took 500 years for this to come about. Now for us, that seems like a very, very long time. The country hadn't even been around that long. But for God, a lot of work has gone into this day. A lot of moving these people. These people, when this was written, had just come back from the Babylonian exile. They were struggling to rebuild their lives. Some people had not come back from exile. Is this starting to sound familiar? Some people had remained in Babylon. They had stayed in this place. And others were ready to come back. And the ones that came back, even they didn't agree. Some of them were ready to get to building right now. Let's start with a temple. And others were like, can we build a house for ourselves and then we'll work on that temple? They had all kinds of disagreements about how to come back from exile. And yet, the way that they came back from exile was to build the very same temple that Jesus is going to be entering in on Monday of Holy Week. This is setting the stage 500 years beforehand. Now, if you understand what's going to happen on the rest of Holy Week, you know that this is not an easy week for Jesus. If you thought the last three years were difficult, you should see the next three days. Because what happens to Jesus, and he knows this is coming. He is God incarnate. He is omniscient. He knows that these 12 that he has nurtured and called and, and endowed with knowledge and wisdom and experience, these 12, they're about to fail miserably. They are here in this moment, and they are triumphant and celebratory right with him. But it's not going to take very long. And tomorrow morning, when he gets up, he's going to go down to the temple, which he knows is his place. He was dwelling there when he was 12. This is the place that he knew he was coming home to. But they won't let him stay there. He knows that over the course of the next week, now he has to battle not just with Pharisees and scribes and lawyers. Now he's got the title bout. He's about to spar with the Sadducees, the priesthood. And nobody knows their Torah better than these people. They are ready for him. They have heard the whining and the musing and the gossip of the Pharisees. They have been constantly badgering the Sadducees about, you've got to be careful of this guy. This guy's trouble. Yeah, it's real trouble when somebody shows up and heals sick people. It's real trouble when somebody shows up and feeds thousands of hungry people, isn't it? But that's not the trouble. The trouble was he was telling people that shouldn't count that they did. The trouble was he showed up and he forgave people that are unforgivable. What are you doing letting adulteresses go free? What are you doing telling these people, those Samaritans, that they are good people? They're anathema to us. They don't worship the way they're supposed to worship. And Jesus kept loving people that were not supposed to be loved. 
And that made the Pharisees livid. And all they could do was kick him out of their synagogues and then tell him he can't come into the cities. And so Jesus said, that's fine. I will preach by the side of the road. I will meet people at the wells outside of the city gates. I will go wherever God needs God to meet with God's people, and I will be there. And so he did. But he knew that this day was coming, and he knows that he has got some serious oral interviews coming in the next few days. They are going to try to trap him with everything. And this is, this is the final exam. They're going to come at him with taxes. They're going to come at him with fundamental understanding of what happens when we die because the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't even agree. Are we resurrected or are we not? And they're going to lay all of that at Jesus' feet and say, make sense of our mess. And then, if that's not enough, then Passover comes. Can you imagine being God incarnate and gathering at that sacred table to remember when God liberated God's people from 400 years of slavery and bondage and to finally be sitting at that table, not going through the streets and killing the firstborn, but to be sitting at the table with those who are remembering the liberation that God has brought. And those same people who are praying for liberation, while they are in that upper room, they cannot forget that sitting over in the governor's palace is Pontius Pilate, and that there are Roman guards and soldiers all throughout their holy city because they are occupied territory. And they can't forget that. And you know there's a part of them that's like, I wish we were saying, and get out Rome tonight. And even then, as Jesus gives us the gift of Holy Communion, even that night, he breaks bread with the one he knows will betray him. And he knows that before dawn, Judas Iscariot will have gone to the Sanhedrin, the high council of the Sadducees, and he will have made the final movement to betray Jesus into their hands. And before the sun rises the next day, he will be imprisoned, and he will have been beaten and humiliated. He will have been tried in the courts of the Sadducees for the highest of treasons, heresy, claiming that he is God. And then he will be paraded in front of Herod, a descendant of the same man that tried to kill him when he was a baby. And then he will stand before Pontius Pilate. And we often talk about what happens when he goes before Pilate, right? You know the, the washing my hands, the symbolic washing of my hands. And we take that to mean, you know, Pilate, Pilate really doesn't want any part of this. But maybe what we miss is that Pilate is like, you are not worth my time. I got bigger and better things to worry about. I don't need to be worried about some homeless guy that's been walking around saying that he's the king of the Jews. King of the Jews? Who cares? You people have no country. You are but a way station for my country, my nation, my empire. And Jesus is going to have to endure all of this. So none of us would really hold it against him if he said, you know what, I'm not really in the mood for a parade today. You know, I... I would like for us to just kind of go in. I want to kind of get myself ready, gird up my loins, to use the biblical phrase, and get ready for tomorrow. Maybe get ourselves something to eat, because you know he doesn't have any food on Monday morning. He's hangry, and he curses the tree. So maybe he could get a good meal tonight, and he'd be ready to go. But that's not who God is. God doesn't say, 
I am in a place right now where I need to focus, and so I'm ignoring all of you. God never says that. Those people, for whatever individual and collective reasons, they decided that that was the day that they were going to recognize that the Christ had come, and they gathered to do it. And Jesus, with all of this on his mind, with the heaviness in his heart, with the weight literally upon his shoulders, decided to be selfless and show up that day and ride this donkey and revel in their joy. Not his joy, their joy. All of the gospel accounts of this day talk about the fervor of the people. It doesn't talk about, and Jesus knew that this was his moment of triumph, and he felt really good about it. Instead, it talks about how Jesus let the people have that moment. And how many of us have wondered and yearned to be able to go back and see Jesus with our own eyes. People were given that gift. And if Jesus hadn't shown up that day, setting aside all of his lowness to be there so that they could have that upper level experience, then there would have been people that would have never seen him. He gave that gift of presence to them. And as Christians, we know that sometimes you just don't have it in you, right? You got to go to school, you got to go to work, you got to go to family obligations, you got things that you have to do because you said you'd do them and you volunteered, and then you got that whole church level thing that you've got to do, I know. And sometimes you're like, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and the day comes and you're like, nope, not doing it. Right? And that's when you turn to somebody in your household and you're like, just tell them I wasn't feeling good. Just tell them. I got real busy. Had a cough. <coughs> Whatever you got to do, right? You got to get out of it. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Would you have said to your Savior, man, you really slacked by not going out on that parade? But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that some of these people are never going to have an encounter like this again. They don't feel welcome in that temple. They're not going to go into that space. These are people who have no idea what is really happening in their midst, but for one moment of a day, they decided that they wanted to be there and they wanted to experience something, and Jesus showed up. And as Christians, we are going to have our days where we feel Jesus is here. Those are those mountaintop experiences. Those are the moments in our life when we're like, yes! Everything is going well. I've got the money in the bank to pay the bills. I don't have to worry about my family and my friends. Today is a good day. Yes, and I know God loves me. Icing on the cake. But how long after that have we also had those days where we're like, I don't have the money for the things that I want, or worse, the things that I need when it seems like everything is happening all at the same time and there's not enough money, time, energy to give it all due attention or to fix it. All of a sudden, you felt like you were so good and now your mind is just filled with fear and anxiety and your heart is broken and your body is giving out from underneath you. And then your spirit starts to go, I'm not so sure anymore. And we have a myth that sometimes we tell ourselves in the church. We tell ourselves what's called the myth of the ascending narrative, that life is starting here and going up here. But that's a myth. That is not reality. 
And for those of you that are up here right now, you know that it wasn't just a straight trajectory up to that point, was it? <laughs> Looked a lot more like this, right? Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. And in those moments, when you look back over your life to this day, when you look back over it, you remember those high points where you were like, yes, God is with me? And then those low points where you were like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? How could this be? I am hurting. The people I love are hurting. Where are you? You know where God is? Right with us. He shows up at the high places, and Jesus shows up at the low places. Jesus didn't leave anybody. They left Jesus. He didn't leave them. And even when death tried to take him away, he couldn't even go three days. He died on Friday, and he was back before sunrise on Sunday. He's not going anywhere without us. And that is what today is about. It's about learning this lesson from Jesus that sometimes we got to show up. It's real easy to be with people up here, right? Who doesn't love to go to the wedding? Who doesn't love you know, the birth of a new child? Who doesn't love all of those things? Those are great. Those are fantastic moments. Ooh, they're having a housewarming party. We're very excited. High moments. Oh my gosh, she just found out she has cancer. What do you mean he's dead? Those moments, she lost her job and now she doesn't know that she's going to stay here. Those moments, where are we? Are we just looking for the Palm Sundays of our friends and our family and our community's lives? Or are we willing to go into the depths? Because that's the struggle for us, right? I'm sure all of us are like, we've kind of got like a, a floor, right? We've got, you know, this hard floor where we're like, we don't really want to go past this, right? This is where we're stopping. So we're fine with this, and we're fine still here, but we don't want to go down there. We'll send somebody else to go down there. I don't want to go down there. But that is where Jesus is. Jesus is down there too. But you know one of the saddest, tragic parts of humankind is that when you have that day where you feel like you have hit rock bottom, you are so down. Your gaze is down, your heart is down, your mind is down, that you can't even look up and see Jesus there. But he is there. Do you remember when he encountered that adulteress and they threw her at his feet and then what did he do? He got down and he started writing. And then it says he looked up. He looked up at her. He went lower than she did. Is there nobody here to condemn you? No. They've all gone away. That's why we go to the low places with people. That's why in the church we don't just wait for the high places. Because there are people, the Bible even records people who think it's all just about the high places. In fact, there's a great story in the Old Testament about foreign invaders, different foreign invaders in Rome, but foreign invaders who had come to attack and take over the promised land. And they figure this is going to be easy because I'm not sure if you know this, but the Israelites are kind of the worst military people ever. They're horrible. They're not good. Not good at all. They lose so often. That's why they're like, yay, David's finally winning. 
they lose. They're terrible. And that's okay. I mean, they got God. And that's what the foreign invaders discovered. They discovered that every time they engaged the Israelite army on the mountaintops, on the hills, that they lost. And they're like, how do we keep losing to these losers? How is that happening? And somebody said, well, I think it's their God. Their God is a mountaintop God. So the problem is that we are going to where their God is strong. We got to stop that. New plan. We're only going to fight them in the valleys. God's up high. We'll go low. And so they did. They routed the Israelites into a valley, and they thought, this is our day. But guess what? Oh, God's in the valley too. And God showed up that day. And those people were going, you've got to be kidding me. God's in the mountains and the valleys? Oh, yeah. God is in the mountains and the valleys and everywhere in between. Our duty as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ is to show people that God is there. God is with you in the glory, and God is with you in the gut-wrenching depths. God is with you in every step, every breath, every heartbeat, every day, every space in between, never abandoning you. So why do we as Christians find it so easy to abandon one another? But we have choices. And no matter the low spots that you have avoided before, tomorrow is a new day. And Friday will be here before we know it. Now, there are a whole bunch of Christians that are looking to play checkers this week, right? They're getting ready to jump. They're going to leapfrog from today to next Sunday. Now, I'm not telling you you have to attend every liturgical service that we're going to have here at Crozet. I'm not telling you that. You'll be my new best friend if you do, but I'm not going to tell you that. But I will tell you something. I hope that at some point on Friday, you take some time to think about what God did for you, to think about how much God loves you, that God would be willing to humble God's self, to face what most of us would say, no way. You want me to go into that city? No, I'm not leaving. You want me to go in there and deal with those people that want to murder me? Absolutely not. And you want me to suffer for sins that aren't even mine? <laughs> Absolutely no. Hard no. Hard pass. But on Friday, that's the lowest of the low for God. All of that 12, all of those people, all of the palms and the praise, it's over. And the only people that stand by for the most part are there to mock him and to watch him suffer. But he won't stay down because we don't need a dead Savior. We need a risen Christ. And on Easter, we're going to get a risen Christ. The question God puts to us is this. Am I going to get a risen people? I'm showing up for you. Are you going to show up for me? And it's not just about attending a worship service on Easter. Are you choosing to show up for God? Show up when God wants you to be at the side of someone who is suffering so bad. Show up when God needs you to put in the work. That work, that hard work that makes the church alive and vibrant and responsive to the needs of others. Will you show up for that? 
Because Easter is coming. Everybody is getting ready for Easter. But you know what the kicker is? Bart, who is one of our latest church staff to join our team, said to me the other day, he goes, um, I just found out Easter is a season. I said, it's not just a Sunday. <laughs> it's a season. He goes, okay, so now that I know that, that's right. My siblings in faith, Easter is a season. We are Easter people. And we are at work when the sun is shining and the world is right. And we are at work when the darkness is overtaking. We are here. Because we remember on Holy Week that everywhere in our lives, God has been here for us. And now there are people who are looking at their misery and their suffering and their pain, and they're asking, where is God? God is with you and for you. And in the days ahead, may someone turn and discover you and go, yes, Jesus is here. Jesus has arrived. Because where two or more are gathered, there he is. And he will not abandon you, and he will not abandon them, and he will never abandon us. So this is our Palm Sunday. This is the day when we remember that no matter how bad it's going to get, we can stand and celebrate and shout Hosanna today because we know that Easter is coming. And maybe today we are practicing. We're practicing that celebration because we know that one day we too will be marching to Zion. We're looking for our resurrection and our triumphant entry. Not so much on donkeys. But we too will have our entry into the holy city. That is the promise of the, of the book of Revelation. That one day we too will be entering into this city. And maybe on that day, it will be the resurrected Christ waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna. Blessed are the ones who come in the name of the Lord. Amen. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.